uh, who had to turn their heat on this morning? We did. Before I forget, Rita, baby bottle. I don't even where, where, would you pick a seat and stay there? <laughs> Bounce around like playing chess. All right, so baby bottles, we're going to keep taking them up. Um, next Sunday will be the last Sunday, then bring them in the following Sunday. So the first Sunday in, in October, we'll be taking these up. So if you, if you don't have one, or two or three, they're out here in a box. Uh, you can have this one after next Sunday because <laughs> i got to have it for a reminder. Uh, let me tell you right off the bat before we get into the prayer request uh, because I told Nat this too. We're going to be in Obadiah, and it's going to take you all the majority of the service to find it. So <laughs> go ahead and start thumbing so you can find it. We're going to be in a little chapter, but it packs a punch. We'll be in Obadiah. Um, we do have a couple of prayer requests. Uh, I was just talking to Judy and uh, Kier. got to come home yesterday evening from printers and uh we'll be at home for the next three to four weeks as long as everything stays good they'll take the baby at what 37 37 weeks they're going to take the baby so uh, keep praying for them and uh that the lord would just give her a little bit of patience because she wants to she wants to be busy and she can't be busy for the next uh, four weeks and said that they don't believe in bed rest anymore they just say take it easy i think that so anyway just remember care and, and the baby and the next few weeks and then uh, we done the call tree the other day for uh, uh, Anthony uh, and his uh, husband's sister-in-law had passed away unexpectedly. Friday was it Friday, Thursday or Friday, Thursday evening, Thursday morning. Um, so that'd be uh, Tim and Jeannie, Jeannie Wise. Yeah. So remember Tim, that family, and uh, Anthony and his family as well. And, and the loss of her, uh, it's been pretty tragic. Uh, any others that I forgot? I think we're good. Seems like there's a lot going on. All right, so we will be over in Obadiah. Cha- oh, I, yeah, Conley didn't help me there. Next Sunday, I ain't going to be here. Um, so it's going to be online. So the next Sunday, uh, instead of coming to church, um, just be ready to watch it live or listen to it on the our website. So it'll be recorded and ready to go for next Sunday. Me and Marie will be at the uh, emergency service uh, marriage retreat in Ash County next weekend. So we're going to. We'll be away, but we'll be able to, to keep doing our services normal so y'all won't have to put up with a, a guest speaker or anything like that. So we'll do it. At, it'll be going on at 11 o'clock next, uh, next Sunday. I think that, that was it. Okay, now I'll get into it. Obadiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 14 is where we're going to be this morning. And this is one of those subjects that um, we don't like to talk about. It's called pride. We don't like to talk about pride because we have pride. And Obadiah is a probably one of the better books and we've got some some verses in James that we're going to look at too but Obadiah really hits the nail on the head when it comes to pride and why um, pride can be sinful pride can uh, make you a bitter person make you it can corrupt you honestly Um, but I'll give you the the definition of pride it's uh, pride is an emotional state deriving positive effect from perceived from the perceived value of a person thing with which the subject has an intimate connection. It may be inwardly or outwardly directed. Much I can sum that up for you and tell you it's an attitude. Pride can be an attitude. Pride can be a really bad attitude if you're not careful with it. But pride is the downfall of many men and women. Pride will destroy you. Pride can destroy a church. Pride has probably torn a lot of churches down. Pride has been the downfall of a lot of pastors. Pride 
So that's where we're going to be this morning is pride. And now I want you to remember something about pride, and I told you it's an attitude, but it never stops at just the heart, and it never stops at just the mind. It goes beyond that. It's an outwardly and inwardly presence of pride that it will corrupt you. And it, it's not just a person, and it, pride is not just in a person. Pride can be in a people. Pride can be inside the church walls. It can spread. It's like a disease. It's, it's a sin. It can be a sin, depending on which version of pride you're talking about. Today we're going to look at the sin version of it. But sin can corrupt and tear apart the inside of a church as well. When maybe the pastor becomes prideful, and then the members start taking that on, and they become prideful, then what the outside sees in this church is a prideful church. And again, it's not a pride in a good way type of church. And so you're going to get black marked, and you're going to become the black sheep of the community when you start having that pride inside of the church, and, and churches don't need that. That's the last thing. We'll talk about how God feels about pride after a while. But James said over in, in chapter 1, verse 14, says, But every man is tempted. Now, I want you to listen to how this right here, how it evolves, okay? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, next step. Then, when lust has, hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Now, listen. You want to go a step further. It says, And sin... When it is finished, bringeth forth death. See how it evolves? Sin is snowballing. This, this pride is snowballing. That's what sin does, ain't it? Don't, don't it starts out little. You start out with maybe just telling one little white lie, and the next thing you know, it's habitual. That's all you want to do is lie about things. It's a snowball. Pride is the same way. Pride can start out with something small in your life, and it can have that snowball effect and turn into something great. James just explained it to us right here. So the attitude of pride is no different. Once pride exists, then you will either deal with it or it's going to show itself. And I will tell you right now, deal with it. Get rid of it. And I've told you all, I can't tell you how many times I've said this, and I'll say it again today. My Preacher Ray says it about pride. The old saying is spit your pride, or swallow your pride. And Preacher Ray says spit it out. It taints your body. That's exactly what we have to do. Spit your pride out and get that junk out of your body because it taints your body. It's going to mess you up. Get rid of your pride. If you think about the law of the harvest, I'm hung up on myself here. I guess that would be prideful too, wouldn't it, if I was hung on myself, <laughs> hung up on myself. The law of the harvest that, that we find over in Galatians 5, 5 talks about that pride. You reap what you sow. You know that? Everybody knows that. You reap what you sow. Same with pride. When you become a prideful person and you start going out and, 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 and flaunting yourself and flaunting uh, the things that you have done in your life, when you become that prideful person, at some point you're going to reap what you're sowing. And when, by reaping, I mean you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose loved ones. Not by death, but they're going to want to stay away from you. They're not going to want to hang around be around you. So you're going to reap what you sow. Be careful with how you handle your pride. Now, that's how it worked in Edom, and they were reaping what they're sowing, and that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to look at Edom over in Obadiah, and I want you to notice how Edom's pride showed through. If you got your Bibles, has everybody found Obadiah now, finally? I don't hear any more pages turn. All right, we're going to be in verse uh, 10 through 14, if you want to stand with me just a moment. Verse 10 through 14. Bible says, For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. 
And in the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive, his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou waste as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity, yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his, uh, yeah, of his that did remain in the day of distress. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as, as we start this, this morning off, God, we start it in your word. We start it with your people, and we're going to start it in prayer with you. Father, I pray this morning that you would touch, just have a touch in this service. Lord, I pray that you would move in each heart that's here. Lord, if there be one here that has that prideful sin nature in them, God, I pray that uh, they they would be able to call it out themselves, Lord, and get rid of it, flesh it out, get it out of their system. And Father, I pray that uh, when that is removed, when that pride is removed, uh, Lord, that it would be filled with something more joyous, Lord, something more love and something is of you and not of the devil. And God, we pray that this, this morning as uh, we, sp- we spoke earlier about uh, those prayer requests, Lord, I pray that you would be with Kiara. Lord, just give her the rest that she needs, her and that baby, Lord, and, and grant them that comfort that they need. And Lord, as uh, we talked about the Wise family, Lord, I pray that you would just touch Tim and the, uh, those kids of his, Lord, and that, that brand new baby grandson that they had. Uh, Lord, just to, again, they need your grace. They need your comfort. They need peace from you today. And Lord, they need some understanding. And so, Father, I pray that you'd be with them as well. We thank you for this beautiful fall morning that you've given us, Lord, to rejoice and to worship. And I pray, Father, that we do just that, and we're going to honor you today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. All right, I want, us to, I want each one of us to notice five things that the Edomites did to Israel because of pride. And there's five things, and I promise they won't be very long things, but there's five things. And we're going, it's pride. The Edomites were prideful people, and I don't understand, Obadiah is a really short book, but it's packed full of stuff that we need to be picking apart right now, and pride is one of them, in in the local, in the churches right now, and um, hopefully this will will touch somebody this morning. The Lord Lord here, he sums up all their actions in verse 10 by saying this, listen to it one more time, it says, for thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever now they were violent against their brother jacob or israel just remember jacob and israel saying and the, that violence was because of their pride you can become a violent person when you're full of pride you you become arrogant when you become full of pride and we've seen movies i'm sure where you see like the mafia like that these mobs out there they're full of pride uh, family pride and pride for themselves, pride for money. They're full of pride, and so they become violent, and they start killing, and they start destroying, and they start looting and loitering, and all the bad things that come with with sin. And so pride can push us to a limit, push us to a place where we should not be, and that's what's going on with the Edomites here. Is and they're full of pride, and we're going to see how they treat their brother. And what you're going to see today out of these five things 
is how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Five things on how we're going to treat our brothers and sisters. How does pride show itself in our lives? Number one, pride shows itself when you can stand by and watch a brother stumble. You ever done that? You ever just stood by and watched somebody fall? You watch somebody, they're, they're having a hard time in their life, they're having uh, family problems or whatever it is, and they're, they're, maybe they're dabbling with sin just a little bit, and you know it, you see it, but you just stand by and let them do it. That's pride for yourself, not for them. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had brought his armies uh, against the city of Jerusalem uh, and Judah. 11, it says, In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into the, his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. Where was Edom? You read that. Where was Edom? They wasn't where they should have been. Edom was standing by. Did they rally around to fight the, uh, the common enemy? No. They didn't rally around to fight nothing. They stood by and watched the fall. They stood by and watched their brother fall. That's not very Christ-like. That's not what God would want from us. That's not what God wanted from the Edomites either. And we're going to get into a little bit more history and detail shortly, but he did not want this from them. He doesn't want it from us. He doesn't want us to sit in our comfy little church pews and watch people fall around us. He does, he does what he wants is for us to step up. Get outside our churches, get off the pews, get out to those that are fallen, those that are dabbling in sin, those that are bound for destruction. He wants us to get to them and get to them quick. We may be the only thing that can help them physically. We may be the only person in this world that can reach out to a brother that is slowly falling and destroying themselves and stop what's going on. It may be us as the church. It may be you as the church member of the Christian. It may be you that God wants to use. It may be. So don't sit on your hands. Don't turn away. Don't turn and look the other way when you know what's going on. You need to call them out and be graceful. Be full of grace when you do it and help them. Help them the best that you can. Now, the Edomites, they acted like the priest and the Levite did when it came to the Good Samaritan. Remember that little story about the Good Samaritan? Remember what the priest and the Levite did? They kept on trucking down the road they has gone they want nothing to do with it but you got the good samaritan this you got the good samaritan that done something when he's seen his brother yeah his brother in the ditch who's your brother who's your neighbor to me that's the same thing i know who my neighbor is it's everybody but i also know who my brother is too and that's everybody i know who my sisters are that's everybody they're all my brothers my sisters my neighbors so you got the good samaritan he stops by and he lends a hand he wasn't a prideful person. He wasn't that priest. He wasn't that Levite. He wasn't the person uh, that, that turns and, and is full of pride and just doesn't want to help anybody. Now, when he saw his brother need, what did the, the Levite and the priest do? They refused to lend that hand. But what did the Good Samaritan do? He lent that hand. So when you see your brother in the ditch, when you see your brother beat all to pieces, and needing aid, you lend that hand. You give them that hand. You reach down just because you're a little bit higher than them. They might be down in the ditch, and you might be standing above them. All right, that doesn't mean that you can't get down on their level. I know how Jesus was, and that's how Jesus acted. 
Jesus got down on their level. He got down where he could be with them. He never put himself up on a podium. Not one time did he elevate himself one else. He hung out with the sinners. He hung with the sinners. It's not where you'd think the Messiah would be, is it? You don't think that's where the Son of God would be is with the sinners, but that's exactly where he went. He went with the sinners. And you look at those sinners. Saved by grace. Saved by grace. Jesus himself, there with them. Now you might be thinking these nations were enemies, and if you've done any research on, on any of what we're reading today, any, any history nuts in here, you realize that, yeah, they, they were really enemies. Well, listen to what God had to say. I'm going to call you out on it over in Deuteronomy 23. This is the Lord. That's what he told Israel. Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. That's deep. That's even further back in the Old Testament. You're going into Deuteronomy now. And God himself says, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite. And abhor means to regard with disgust or hatred. Don't hate the Edomites. They're your brother. Don't hate them. They're your brother. Now, I'm going to take that up to 2020. We tend to take the Edomites and change that with race and religion. We tend to take the Edomites and instead of saying, I don't like the Edomites, what do we say? I don't like the Muslims. I don't like the Jews. I don't like the Catholics. Those Presbyterians down the road drive me up the wall. I don't, I don't like them Lutherans that drink too much. That's what we say. That's the Edomites in our, in our opinion. But God don't want us hating on nobody. God says love them. Love them. Help them. We can try. All we can do is try. Pray to God. Give us grace. God, give us wisdom. God, give us words. God, give us what we need to go help people. Maybe we can convert a Muslim. Maybe we can talk to that Lutheran in the road and tell him lay off the bottle. I don't know. I don't know many Lutherans. Just the ones I do know drink. So my <laughs> mom's side of the family. So, we <laughs> of course, dad's side's Methodist, and they do the same thing. So, <laughs> well, I hope I'm on the right trail. <laughs> Think about them. That's how we are. They might not be considered an Edomite, but they're an Edomite. We tend to not love on them like we're supposed to. Now this, if you, I feel like falling apart. God's desire for the Israelites was to treat the Edoms, Edomites with brotherly love just as much as his desire for Edom to treat Israel the same way. I'm losing it up here today. I have to get one of them handheld mics. He wanted was to treat them with brotherly love both ways. So we might not get along with so-and-so down the road, but God says treat them with brotherly love, and he expects that person to treat you the same way with brotherly love. Do y'all see that going on right now in, in the U.S.? Absolutely not. I see very little brotherly love going on between anybody. Barely get it squeaked out in some churches. Barely get it squeaked out in some workplaces. And you're very rarely going to see it in some homes. But God says treat them with brotherly love. Love on them. Help them. We might not see eye to eye. And there's a lot of people out there right now that I don't see eye to eye with. 
but I'm trying my best to do what God says and just love them. Just smile and move on. That's what he wants. Just try to love them the best that you can and ask for help. Now, instead of trying to support Israel, who they were related to in blood, they sided with the enemy that had invaded the land and did nothing to help. They stood by. They stood up there and watched them be destroyed. I can't do that. I can't stand by and watch something be destroyed like that. And I won't. <laughs> what we was talking about before church, we got talking about playing sports, or not really playing sports, but trying to keep your... Um, Try to keep a good Christian image while you're watching sports. You know, and I told, that's what I was telling Carolyn and, and Conley, is when the girls play ball, or at least Abby, you know, I, I love to watch them play ball, but I'm all about fairness. And I don't care if we're the home team and the visitors team is getting bad calls. I want to make that the ump is called out for the bad calls. I don't want to win that game because of bad calls for the visitors. I want it to be fair. I want it to be fair. And it's not fair for a brother to stand up on a hilltop and watch a brother get slain. To watch someone go down, to watch someone get hurt, to watch destruction. It ain't fair to the one being destroyed knowing that my brother's on the hill watching me go down. That ain't fair. Watch out for your brothers. Watch out for your sisters. Don't stand by on the hill and just watch them go down. Run down that hill and help them out. Run down hill and give them a hand. Run down hill and get them out of that ditch. But you run to them. And don't just stand by and watch them be destroyed. Don't distance yourself from them. When they, when they stumble, be there to help them up. That's what the people of Edom didn't do. They watched their brothers stumble. And they watched them wallow around on their backs like a bunch of turtles. And wouldn't help them up. Wouldn't get them back on their feet. When the enemies threatened Jerusalem, the people of Edom said, we're not their keepers. Whatever happens, happens. He says, it serves them right. No, it didn't serve them right. It didn't because that was their brother. Now, how often does a brother or sister in Christ stumble and the rest of us stand by and just watch? Watch your toes. How many times does that happen in our lives? A lot. We see, oh, they don't go to my church. I'm not helping them. They, they don't believe exactly the same that I believe. I'm not helping them. How many times in our lives, and you can probably count, how many times in our lives where we have known so-and-so that was a believer, a Christian, that has stumbled into sin and fallen, but yet stood by and didn't give him a hand and didn't lend a hand? We do that. God's not pleased with that. God said they're in need. They're in trouble. They have stumbled. They're in sin. Help them. Love them. Be that brother. Be that sister. Help them out. But what do we do? We choose not to get involved. Now, I, I will say, there's, there's times that we do need to, to steer clear of some certain situations out there. But those are few and far between. If you see somebody dabbling in sin and getting hurt, help them. Don't just let them stumble and fall and waller in it. Paul tells us, to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians. I'm going to read that again. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help your brother with their burdens. Whatever it might be, you help them. If they're, you help them. We're told to be like the Good Samaritan who went. He didn't just throw some money at it, which is a lot of times what a lot of Christians will do. 
Well, here, just, just whatever. Just do whatever you need to. Here's some money. Here's some cash. Bail you out. But what did the Good Samaritan do? He bandaged him up. He put some oil on it. He bound his wounds. And not, he didn't just stop and say, have a good day, put some antibiotic on it you know, in three days. He get, got him up, and he took him over to the Holiday Inn and put him over in it, shared out some more money, and said, if, if there's more, I'll come back and pay you later. If he needs whatever he needs, I'll take care of it. Just let me know when I come back. So he took it a step further than us, just tossing a 20 at it. He bound him up, and then he helped him along the way. That's what God wants from us. us accountable for what we do. When your brother needs help, you help. When your brother needs encouragement, you encourage. Some can do that. Some are pretty good encouragers out there. When you can defend someone, when somebody is under a microscope, when somebody out there is being just belittled and, and just ran through the mill, when they need defended, defend them. Help them when they need help. Defend them when they need defended and encourage them when you can encourage them. Number two, pride shows itself when you can look down on your fallen brother. When you can look down. That's a, that's a big one for us. When you look down on them. Look at verse 12. First part says, Thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he uh, became a stranger. Now that phrase right there, looked on, means they were curious. They were curious people. The Edomites were curious what was going on down there. What's going on? You look over on the hill. They were curious. They had a little pride in them. It means that while the Edomites by during the defeat of Judah, they could have been at home in their own nation, just sitting back, watching the race, but they wasn't. They left the house, they went up on the hill, and then they watched. They watched the fall. But you come over and watch. Do you, do you look down on your brothers when they fall? We've already talked about this a little bit, but really, I want you to think about it. Do you look down on your brothers and do you look down on your sisters when they fall? When they trip and stumble, while they're down wallowing around in the mud, do you just look down on them? I don't want to touch that. That's dirty. I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to be a part of that. We do. Some Christians are like those Edomites. Instead of helping a brother when they fall, they enjoy getting details and spread the news. Uh-oh. There it is. That's the church. That's what goes on in our church walls a lot of times. So-and-so, they're in the ditch. Hey, did you hear what happened? Let me, let me give you the juicy details. This is what I heard, third party. So instead of running to them and helping them get up out of the ditch, we turn the other way and pick the phone up and call somebody down the road and say, did you hear what just happened? Did you hear what so-and-so just did? They're in jail. That's the way we work nowadays. Instead of running to them, we run away from them and we make things worse. You know, a lot of times it feels like their duty. They, they don't hesitate to add an extra kick to a man that's down. That's, that's the Christian way. Kick them while they're down. While they're wallowing, stomp them a little bit harder. See if you can't put them out of their misery. That's not the way we're to do that. 
We give him that hand, not the foot. Nobody warned against the wicked behavior right here, and we just read it. Then when pride shows itself in our lives, we'll look down on a fallen brother. I promise you that. When we get full of pride, you become what you think is better than your brother, and you're going to look down on him, and you ain't going to give him that hand. Don't be like that. Number three, pride shows itself when you can rejoice in the defeat of a brother. When you can celebrate somebody's fall. That's sad. It sounds bad, don't it? Just saying it sounds bad. When you can celebrate somebody's fall. I seen something, um, I think it was Friday, when that uh, Supreme Court judge passed away this week. That's sad. That's, uh, you know, I didn't agree with some of the things that, that she said and done. I didn't. But she was a great lady. She'd done a lot. But to sit there and to watch and to hear people bash her and say, I'm glad she's gone because of her, the way she feels and the way that, uh, that, she, um, the way that she rules. That's wrong. I don't care who it is. That's wrong. To be like that. And so, to support that, there's some prideful people in there. Now look at the, the second part here, verse 12. It starts out at neither. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. As they watched Israel fall to the Babylonians, the Edomites, what they, they rejoiced. Oh, look at them down there. Getting, they're getting killed. They're getting killed. The only time that you should be rejoicing when somebody's killed is when the Cowboys are killing the Redskins. That's the only time that you need to be rejoicing. You sit up there in them stands and you watch it. That's fine. It's all right. I don't care. But that's what they were doing. For centuries, God had given Israel the upper hand. For centuries, God was helping his people. And every single time they tried to get into the promised land, God said, mm, nope, not now. He still took care of them. He didn't just turn them away and say, just keep trucking. He took care of them. He stayed with them as they journeyed. And the next time they came back around and got close by, God said, not now. Still too many of alive. Too many of those originals still around. Keep on trucking, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to provide for you. I'm still going to be here, but keep on moving for a little bit longer. But Jacob overcame, and he prospered while Esau took the back seat. And we all know that story back when they was born. Now, when Israel got to the promised land, like I said, God denied them entry so many times, but he made sure that they got where he wanted them to be for a little bit longer. He stayed with him just a little bit longer because we don't serve a prideful God. Not that kind of pride. He stayed with them, and that's what he's telling us to do. These people in our lives are on this journey, and they may be getting close to, to the promised land or whatever in their lives or getting close to something where they want to be or where they need to be, but God turns them a little bit. He says, while they're... While they're finishing out that journey, be with them. Go with them. Help them along the way. Help your brother out. Don't just stand up there and watch the fall. Give them that hand. Give them the help. When other enemies came against them, 
They gained those victories. Not the Edomites, but the Israelites. They gained victories. They got stronger because God was there with them. Now, here they were, God's chosen people, fallen to an enemy they could not handle, and Edom thought it was great. Ha, ha, ha. Now you know how it feels. You're fallen, and we're just up here watching. They're relishing in it. They're, they're just having a good time watching this take place. Do you rejoice when your brother falls? Do you rejoice when your brother falls? Don't answer that. I guarantee you, a couple of us in here right now is probably thinking about a time that that happened. You rejoiced when somebody fell. You rejoiced when someone got hurt. You rejoiced when someone got busted. You, we rejoice. That's, that's, that's flesh. That's human nature. Ha, 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 you deserved it. So we rejoice in it. God don't like that. He don't want us rejoicing when our brother falls. That's always, always an action of pride. When you hear someone rejoicing over the trouble that another person is, is having, you're listening to someone that is proud. When you are a part of a conversation and you hear someone telling a story about how someone fell into sin and you're listening to it, you're listening to someone boasting about their pride because that's a prideful person that can do that. God said no. Pride something that God hates. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now listen, he says pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. That's, that's harsh from God, ain't it? He hates pride. He said an arrogancy and the evil way and a forward mouth. He hates it. If he hates it so much, why? Are we so prideful sometimes? I've said it. You know, I'm, I'm proud of my girls. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of people for what they do and how they do things. That's a different kind of pride. And God's okay with that, to be proud of individuals and, and their accomplishments. That's okay. But God says, not that kind of pride. I don't like this other kind of pride. The kind of put where you puff yourself up and you get all arrogant and you start strutting around like you own the place. God said, uh-uh. Plain right there in Proverbs. He hates it. Do I hate? And it's a shame that Christians can talk about other Christians and be happy that they have fallen into sin. It's a shame. But it happens. Stop it. Stop doing that. Stop being like that. Somehow it makes these people feel better about themselves. And think about just how awful God feels when he looks down at his... It's his creation. When he looks down at his children and those children are talking about the other children. When they start bad-mouthing, don't you think it upsets him? As our Heavenly Father, don't you think it upsets him to know that his children are talking about one another in a prideful way. If we saw ourselves the way God sees us, that we wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any room for boasting and rejoicing for others to fall. But unfortunately, we tend to take our God glasses off and we can't see things that way. Sometimes we've got to put some glasses back on so that we can see people a little differently. See people with our God-like eyes. See people for who they are, what's deep inside of them. See people for their faith. See people for their relationship in Jesus. 
we tend to forget all that stuff and we start focusing on the bad. And we start focusing on the bad, we're going to forget about all the good. And we're going to forget at some point that they're even a Christian. And at some point, if you keep it up, they're going to forget that you was even a Christian. If you keep running your mouth, we've got to be careful with it. Be careful with your pride and how you talk and all that boasting that goes on. Number four, pride shows itself when you take advantage of a brother after they fall. Be careful. Once they've fallen, be careful. Don't take advantage of them. Look at verse 13 again. It says, Thou shouldest have not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Now, Edom's violence against their brother only got worse. It never got better. It got worse and worse and worse. Not only did they join with the enemy against Israel, they started to loot, they started to plunder. They became vultures, I guess. They're sitting there waiting for the scraps. After the kill, you ever, you ever, we got buzzards at the house like crazy. We got our, where we live, there's farmland all around us. And the, the fall calves coming on and roadkill and everything else going on. We have buzzards around our house. I think there's more buzzards than cows or chipmunks. I don't know. I think we've got more chipmunks. I think I counted, what, 3,700 some chipmunks in the woods last night while we was hunting. But we've got buzzards everywhere. And that's what the Edomites are. They're buzzards. They're waiting for the scraps. They're waiting to pick up the, the bits and pieces that were left here. How can you get that low? How can you become such a low person to go in after the fact and take what's left? That's, that's wrong. They didn't fight Israel for goods. They didn't help the Babylonians uh, for a part of the spoils. They didn't go in and say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll partner with you. Can we just get like a quarter of this stuff or half this stuff? That, that, they didn't do no partnership. What they did is they only stood back like vultures waiting to clean up after the kill. Coyotes, how's that? Like a coyote. Do you take advantage of your brothers who fall? Do you take advantage of the ones that are struggling? Now, the Edomites were praying on them, not praying over them. They were P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y. And we, but we tend to do that. When someone is down and when they're out, when they're struggling, instead of doing what we're supposed to as a Christian in P-R-A-Y, we P-R-E-Y. We tend to pray on them. They're weak. They're hurting. They're distressed. They don't know, they don't know what to do anymore. And so... We pray on them instead of pray for them, pray over them, pray for them. Don't be like an Edomite. Don't be out there praying for, praying over them. Move in and, and gather those spoils. You think, think of it this way. What if you have a, a friend or family member hard up for money and they got to sell some stuff off and you go in and say, oh, I'll, t I'll buy that from you. But instead of paying what it's worth, you pay them less than what it's worth. And then you leave there and you're thinking that you've done good. I've helped them out. No, you ain't. You ain't done squat. I hope you feel guilty and you don't sleep a wink at night. That's taking advantage of somebody. That's praying on someone. Don't do that. Don't be that Edomite. Don't pray on someone. Pray for someone. Number five, last one. 
Pride shows itself when you help the enemy go after a fallen brother. Who's the enemy? Pride shows itself when you help the devil get his way with the person that's fallen. And you're thinking, Lord, preacher, I wouldn't do that. I'm a Christian. I'd never help the enemy. I'd never help the devil. Yeah, you would. Every one of us would. Every one of us and may have at one time. Just think about it. Look at verse 14. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. Now you can picture what happens right here. As, an, as Edom moved in and to, to, to pilfer and plunder, to go in and, and get the scraps, they encountered some people. Maybe they found this a man over here, a woman over here, a family over here, and, and, and they're, all they're doing is just trying to escape and save themselves. They're trying to get away, and they, they found a little bit of refuge down in this, this rugged country that's south of the, of the deep sea, or the Dead Sea. So they're trying to find refuge, and here come the Edomites. On their way in, these Edomites found these people, and they had no sympathy for the pickle they was in. They had no sympathy. Now, I'll stop there for just a second. I want you to think about sympathy. When do we show sympathy? At a funeral. That's about it. Someone passes away, we'll show sympathy. But what about when your brother falls? What about when your sister falls? Do you show that sympathy? Do you show that compassion? What's, what are the words that we typically say? They had it coming. Instead of showing sympathy, We'll say they had it coming. They deserved it. They've been dealing with it for years. They're, they were going to fall eventually. How about sympathy? How about showing some sympathy other than when someone passes away? How about showing a little bit more sympathy towards those that are hurting and give them that, that hand and help them when they need that help? The Bible says that they gave them up to their enemies, the Babylonians. And we, nobody knows what that future was going to be. They didn't know what their future was going to be at that point. So when the Edomites handed them over, to the Babylonians, their fate was sealed. They probably became slaves. Lost whatever little they had left. They lost it all. Because they handed their brother over to the enemy. They handed him over to someone. and They may have, may have been paid for him. They may give him a couple shekels for him. Why? Because they didn't care. They were the lowest sort of people. They were, they were thriving on the losses of others, they were thriving on the losses of their kinfolk. Maybe that's not happening now. Maybe our families are not like that anymore. Maybe. Maybe. We don't have people in our families that, that like to hand people over like that. I don't know. I don't know y'all's families. I know mine, and I'm pretty certain that they wouldn't do that. Lowest, there's a lowest sort out there but do you stand in the way when your brother or your sister's hurting do you stand in the way of the help that they need are you blocking it whatever help needs to be coming towards them are you blocking it with your words they they're just you they don't need your money they don't need your food they're just playing you, you or do you stand step out of the way and let that help come in 
or do you step back and get behind them and support them and help them the best that you can? God's people can still be guilty of this very thing. The same thing the Edomites were doing, God's people. Us, the Christian, us, the brother and the sister, we can still hand people over to Satan. Yes, we can deal people over to the enemy. We can. We tend to do that every now and then, especially if there's a dollar involved in it. If you make a buck, if you can make a dollar, I'll turn them in. If I can make, if I make a little profit on this, I'll make profit off their struggles. These Christians that serve Satan are who have sinned with unbrotherly love. If you had brotherly love towards them, you wouldn't be handing them over to the devil. You'd be right up beside of them and help them out. That's what we ought to be doing, but we don't. Some Christians spend more time delivering other Christians to the hands of the unbelievers than they do serving God and serving them to God, handing them over to God. We know so-and-so is in trouble. We know so-and-so is hurting. So instead of getting down on our knees and our face and, and going to God and, and, and casting our petitions unto Him, we just turn around and say, here, here, devil, here's your good one. They're weak. They're falling apart. Just go ahead and finish them off. How about if we just take it to God for them? Maybe they are weak. Maybe they are struggling. Maybe they, they can't make it on their own anymore. Maybe they've tried and tried and tried, and they can't make it. Well, maybe it's time for us as the brother and the sister to step in and hand it over to God for them, to cast their, help cast that burden to God for them. Maybe it's time for us to step up and help them out instead of handing them over to the devil. It's our duty to build up. Remember that. It's our duty to edify our brothers. It's our duty to help restore them. It's our duty as brothers and sisters. And we need to be reminded of that. I think if Obadiah was a bigger book and over in the New Testament, we'd probably do a better job. But it's a little book, and it's in the Old Testament, and we forget about it. So we don't have those reminders to help others, to help edify, to help restore them, to help build them up, not to turn them over to the enemy. We can act very hurtful as Christians. We can say things that we shouldn't say. And one thing about that, when you say something you shouldn't say, normally the Holy Spirit kind of kicks in and you get a little bit convicted and, and you'll ask for forgiveness from the person you said it towards and from God as well. But we do things we shouldn't do. Sometimes we refuse to get involved when we should. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus. When we had fallen into sin, which was at birth, thanks to Adam and Eve, when we had fallen into sin and death, Jesus didn't just stand by. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, when, when man fell in the garden, God didn't just stand by. He didn't just stand up there at his, or sit at the throne or stand at the throne. He didn't just stand by and watch us waller in it. He didn't just stand by and watch Adam and Eve waller in it. No, that's not what he, he, no, he didn't do that. What did he do? He didn't look at us with hatred, which he should have because we disobeyed. 
He doesn't do that now when we disobey him. He's not standing there or sitting there at the throne with Jesus beside of him, hating us because we're sinning. He doesn't look at us with hatred in his eyes because of things we've said or done. No, he doesn't do that. When we were helpless and hopeless, Jesus didn't rejoice or brag about his own perfection, which he could have because he is perfect, but he didn't. He didn't. What did he do? He went to the cross. He went to the cross for us. He moved for us. He went up on the cross for us so that we could go up. He done that for us because he loved us. He didn't have a pride. He didn't have that because, again, pride's a sin, so Jesus ain't got it. He didn't have that in him. He chose to get involved in something about it. And I'm going to sum it up with that. When you see your brother or your sister involved in something that they shouldn't be in, they're dabbling in sin, or they're hurting themselves, they're hurting their family, we've got to get involved. Jesus did. Jesus seen us. That might have been what he was looking at when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He may have got down there, and when those, those uh, uh, blood or sweat drops was coming from his face, when he was sitting and he was in, just agonizing, what was he seeing? Us. He was seeing each one of us. And he said, I got to do something. I can't stand by and watch them destroy themselves. I can't stand by and watch them dabble in this sin. I can't stand by and watch them send themselves to hell. I've got to do something. And he did. And because of the sacrifice on the cross that he made for us, we see love. We see a brotherly love. Because he wasn't just going to stand by and watch it happen. He said, I want to do something about it. Do something about it. When you see somebody in the ditch, do something about it. When you see somebody struggling in sin, do something about it. When you see somebody's marriage starting to fall apart and crumble, do something about it. When you see somebody in the church that's struggling with whatever it might be, do something about it. The church don't just have to step up and do a love offering and third at them. You can do it individually. You can step up and help them individually, one-on-one, and nobody has to know it. I'm a firm believer in left hand, right hand. I don't believe everybody needs to know what's going on. Because typically when you start bragging about what you just did for somebody, that's pride. God don't, he ain't going to honor that. He ain't going to bless that mess. Help your brothers. Help your sisters. Be like Jesus and do something about it when you see him hurt. Be like Jesus. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Just remember, Jesus' love for us drove him to the cross so that he could be lifted up, so that we could be lifted up. That love, that's that brotherly love. That's that unconditional love we talked about a few weeks ago. That's a love that I can't describe. It's agape love. It's a big love. It's God-sized love. We need to have as big God-sized love as we can towards our brothers. So when they fall, don't just stand on the hill and laugh. Run down there and help them up. Run help your brothers up. Father, this evening is, uh, Lord, it's, it's been an honor to stand behind this pulpit this morning. Lord, and address a subject, Father, that uh, it don't get talked about enough. 
And Lord, I pray that it would touch someone's heart this morning, either here in the sanctuary or listening online, wherever it may be. God, I pray that pride would be eliminated out of their life. Lord, I pray that pride would go away. Lord, as, as I've said, that they would spit that pride out. Lord, and get it out so it doesn't taint the body. Lord, this morning we do thank you for these words here from Obadiah. Short little book, packs a big old punch. And Lord, I pray that we would look at that, read it a little bit more often, and help, Lord, uh, apply it to our lives, Lord, where we can get rid of that junk, that old pride, get it out of our system, Lord, and be the better person. Lord, I pray that it would help us to help that brother, that sister that's down. Lord, we can spit our pride out and run down the hill and help them up. Allow us to, to love on our neighbors the way that we're supposed to love on our neighbors and be the Christian you've called us to be. Be those Christ-like individuals that we're supposed to be as new creatures. Lord, we thank you again for this Sunday. Lord, I just ask for a huge blessing to be upon this church, this congregation. Be with us this week, Lord, as we go into a new week with new endeavors, new, uh, new dangers that we're probably going to face. Just, there's so much uncertainty out there in this world. But, Lord, I know that you're going to be with us, and you're going to stick by our side no matter what. And we thank you for that, Lord. Protect us. Place that hedge of protection around us. Be with us as we leave here. Go to our respective places, Lord. Go home or wherever it may be, Lord. I pray that we can take you with us and allow you into our homes, Lord. Sup with us as we, as we continue to fellowship away from church. Be with us again as we go into our workplaces, Lord, and keep us healthy. That's, that's a big thing right now is our health. Lord, I pray that you keep us all healthy wherever we go and whatever we may do. I pray a special blessing upon this church today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, again, don't forget next Sunday, don't come to church. You'll be by yourself. Nat's probably going to sit in the parking lot counting his maters, but you can come help him if you want to. You wasn't getting out of it. I had to throw one out there, but uh, it'll be online Sunday morning. We'll see you then.